So we want to align our lives with the scriptures, what we want to do. And so we're going to unpack the scripture. We've been going through the book of Joshua, and that's what we do as a church. We go through books of the Bible. So we're going to be continuing that today. So I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand to your feet. If you're able to stand to your feet. We're going to look at Joshua's motivational speech that he gave when he was 85 years old. I'll read verse 7. You can read verse 8. The title of the message is uh, Closing the Gap Part 2, Decisions that Define Us. I was 40 years old when Moses, his servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. And I returned and gave an honest report. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land, and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. And I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still, still travel and fight as well as I could then. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. And so we're going to look at the Old Testament story of Caleb here. But the Bible says, we looked at last week, he has a different spirit. And he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And we're going to look at decisions that define us. Your decisions that you make, they will define you for the rest of your life. They've defined you to this point right now. So this is one of those all-important, pivotal passages in all of the Scripture, really. And we're going to see here that they made certain decisions that were so pivotal of such epic significance uh, that it affected their life, and not only their lives, but the lives of generations to follow. And I would submit to you that the decisions that you make, and here's why you want to listen to the message, because it's not just for you, but it's the people that would follow you, the people that are around you, the generations after you here. And so certain decision points then define us in history, and they play out. And they have a ripple effect generationally. And so we're going to look this morning at some of those decision points here. And we're going to look at what happens when you make the wrong decision, as the children of Israel, 10 of the spies did, and the generational implications that they had. And so what can we learn from them? And what can we learn from their decisions? We're also going to learn from Caleb and the right decisions that he made. So the story begins here. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 13, which talks a lot about Caleb. Then we're going to come to Joshua chapter 14. So the children of Israel there on the cusp, the precipice, right there on the edge of the promised land. They've conquered uh, Ai. They've conquered, uh, they've gone through the Red Sea. They've crossed the Jordan River. They've conquered um, uh, the other, uh, um, not Joshua, but Jericho. So now they're standing there and they can see it. And so uh, what Moses does then is Moses picks like 12 Navy SEALs in that, cult in, in that day. They're exceptional young men. They're exceptional like commandos. Uh, and they're going to go into the promised land there. So uh, we're going to look at many scriptures this morning. And it's good to look at scripture. Uh, we're going to begin by looking at Numbers chapter 13, verse 2 in your Bibles. And so also on the screen. So if we can look at this together here, some men send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites, 
Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes. Now watch that. It says, which I am giving. Underline, circle, highlight. Don't forget which I am giving. This is pivotal to everything that I'm going to say here this morning. The land was given to them. It was promised to them. They had God's sure word of this here, that they would experience a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, after God's people, the children of Israel, had passed through again the Red Sea, the Jordan River, Jericho, Ai, on this long journey, there it is. And so we have a story now where God is saying, I've given you the land here. The deal has been sealed. Take it to the bank. The land is yours. Now, you look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, and look at what it says. See again. I just want you to see this. See again. Okay, the Lord has given you, this is Moses, has given you the land. Now go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Do you think they were afraid? Do you think anybody was going to be afraid? Do you think they were going to be discouraged? Do you think that when God tells you to step out that sometimes you're going to bump up against fear? You're going to bump up against discouragement? Anybody in the house besides me? Yeah, you bump up against that. So God, knowing that, know that they, knowing that they would face giants, knowing they would face walled cities, says, look, you're going to be fearful, but look, I've got you. I've got, you're going to be discouraged, but I've got you. You can take possession of the land because I've given it to you. I have given you the land here. And so God has given you the land, but now watch what happens in verse 22. But after the land is given, okay, y'all come to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. Was it Moses' idea or God's idea or the people's idea? It was a people's idea. So they have a sure word, a promise from God, and then they say, oh yeah, but, and some of these buts are some of the most significant buts in all of the Bible here, because what they want to go in a different direction. Hey, we got a different plan. We're a little nervous, we're a little scared, we're a little apprehensive, we don't know about the land. So what we want to do is we want to we go check out the land here. And so the people's idea then is to explore the land. And so they are, they're saying, you know, we want to have a, a realistic assessment of the land. Well, God told you it's a land full of milk and honey. Yeah, but, but we just, we want to do our thing. And so they can't take God at his word. Remember, faith takes God at his word. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So God has already told them what the land was like, a land full, full of, of milk and honey flowing with that, but yet they've got to see for themselves. So what do they do? They go on a reconnaissance mission here, and they take a 40-day spying journey. Uh, they send out the commandos there to evaluate the enemy, to evaluate uh, what it would look like in the promised land, to see the strategic factors, kind of do a little SWOT analysis there. Uh, and so they're going to depart from the outskirts of the land. Now they're going to enter the promised land for 40 days. So Moses says, okay, I'm going to commission you, sneak in there, do your thing, Verse 23, this plan seemed like a good idea to me, Moses said. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. So Moses now telling the next generation this story, saying, look, wasn't God's idea, really wasn't my idea, 
God's giving you the land, but take your commandos, spend your 40 days, analyze, observe, strategize. Uh, and there they are with their faces painted and all, and they're analyzing the land. And so they come back and they say, whoa, hold on, time out. We need to talk about this land here. Uh, we have our doubts, we have our anxiety, we have our fears here. And uh, I, we saw what kind of land that it is here. But what I want to say is this before we unpack the rest of the story. So maybe you're here this morning and uh, you are new to church. Maybe you've been around church for a long time. All I want to say is this, is God gets your doubts. God gets your fears. God understands that some things to step out, to trust him uh, into your promised life. Maybe something God defines and makes real to you that you're to do. You can have your doubts and struggles and fears. I want to hit the brakes, just like the children of Israel. And yet God was gracious enough to tell them, yeah, you can do that. And so maybe you're wanting to surrender your life to God. And, and you're thinking like, yeah, but I want to walk with him and I want to become his child. But I'm just wrestling. I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know what's on the other side of believing him. And so God says to the children of Israel and to us, hey, you can trust me. Go ahead, test me, try me, go into the land and see if it's not everything that I told you that it's going to be. Verse 23, when they came to the valley of Eshcol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large it took, look, it took two Navy SEALs just carrying this, to carry the grapes. And so they come back and they say, hey, it's even better than we imagined even better than we dreamed about. And so they come back, these massive clusters of grapes as evidence that what God said was true here. Verse, they're saying, hey, the land is awesome. Verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Now we're going to enter Joshua and Caleb into the story here. And they also were investigating. And they came back with a report and then they uh, explained the report to the balance of the tribes that were there. They had a completely different report. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey, and here's its fruit. So the additional spy party here came back saying, hey, it is awesome. And, so, and what they're doing is they're beginning to look at the 10 spies, the obstacles. Caleb and Joshua, the opportunities. One began to fixate on the giants. The other states their eyes and affections of their heart fixed on what God had said here. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. So you're going to see that this story is a classic example of 10 spies. They walked by sight. You're going to see again, we're going to read, we saw, we saw, we saw. And then you're going to see uh, Joshua and Caleb, they're walking by faith. So and you can choose for yourself how you want to walk. So they brought back some produce with them. Absolutely amazing. So huge, so bountiful. Takes a couple people to do it. And so they recognize, hey, this is exactly as God has promised here. And by the way, I just like to say, the longer that you walk with God, the more that you realize that reality. God's promises are true. Now look at Numbers. If you want to look at the screen with me here, Numbers 13, verse 28. Look at what it says. 
But the people who live there, here's the 10 spies, okay, are powerful. And their cities are fortified, are very large. We even saw, there it is, saw that's the only way they can walk. They can't see God. They're only in a horizontal plane. They can't look up. We saw the descendants of Anak. Now, the sons of Anak uh, were giants, and so they're supersized. Anytime you see that, you think, supersized, mega people here. And so what happens here is, are they getting a truthful report? It's a truthful report. This is a truthful report that they're getting here. It's not exaggerated in any way. The giants there, they're physically intimidating. They're heavily armed giants. The cities are, have massive fortified walls. It is all true. The 10 spies here are looking at the land. They're saying, dang, those dudes are huge. And what are we against them? And they're powerful. And how are we going to defeat them? So, but they never factor in God into their assessment. They're only looking at, though Moses said, God said, I've given you the land. All they can do is see giants in fortified cities here. They never saw the, the, the power of God. They didn't see God. Uh, they didn't see their problems in light of God. They just saw their problems there. And that is the story of us. Friends, the Bible says these things are written for us. So these stories are for us. And so at this pivotal point in history, their decision is going to define them because we, like them, though we have the promises of God, will often say, oh, but my circumstances, oh, but my situation, oh, but fill in the blank, and then that decision will define us like them. And so what do they do? At this pivotal point in history, they cave in. And they cave in to their feelings. No leaning into faith, no remembering what God has said, no looking vertical to him. No, they completely cave in to their fears here. All they see, like us, are the overwhelming circumstances of our lives. And by the way, they are overwhelming. I mean, now this week, like, there's no eggs. I could say a lot about that, but I'm going to refrain from that. But uh, so it's just, it's, just, just, it's just so uncertain. And then there's going to be the next thing in a couple of weeks and the next COVID. And so, but there's overwhelming circumstances. And they forgot the promises of God. And so they fell prey to unbelief, unbelief. And so they fixated their eyes and they were overly focused on and emphasized the obstacles. Now, walking by faith is not ignoring them. It's not recognizing that that's reality, but it's not over fixating on them to the point that you miss God. And so for these spies, buildings are too tall. The enemy's too formidable. Uh, the obstacles are bigger than their God. For Joshua and Caleb, God was bigger than the obstacles. Now watch again here. Okay, uh, uh, and let me ask this question here. What is your trust limit? That what happened to them, their circumstances, exceeded their ability to trust God. Or what about you? Maybe there, there are, are, if you could grade yourself on a one to 10, are you a two or a three? Or maybe you're, you're you know, most of the time you're, you're doing pretty good. Maybe you get out there a five, a six, maybe even a seven, you know? But, uh, but what about, like, where's, what's your limit? Well, they, they exceeded, the 10 spies, exceeded their ability to trust God here. And so all they could see, friends, 
was in the physical realm. That's walking by sight. They didn't see in the spiritual realm here. They, they didn't see the hand of God. All they could see was from a human point of view, never factoring God into the situation here. They walked by sight, and again, we saw. Again, put that scripture up for me. Put that scripture up. Uh, we even saw the descendants, the giants. That's all we could see. We couldn't see God. And so all we could see was supersized circumstances that we faced. And so here's the reality. Here's one of my points. Here's the reality. You will face giants. Notice they didn't face giants at the Red Sea. They didn't face giants when they were crossing the Jordan. They didn't face giants at Jericho. And they didn't face giants at Ai. But when they're going to step into the promises of God, then they, then they face giants. There comes a time where you will face giants. Okay, so uh, we will face giants when you're moving forward. Like when you're not moving forward, probably not going to experience too many giants. When you are, that's when they face the giants here. So we encounter giants when we're, we're living for God, when we're serving God, when we're stepping out in faith here. And, uh, but I want us to recognize this. Sometimes the giants, they're opposition uh, they can stalk us. They could be in your family. They could be in your workplace. They, can be, uh, they could be somewhere in church, somewhere in your social life, maybe even in your heart. But you will face them. So the 10 spies conclude. They conclude this. And they're going by the facts and nothing but the facts. I want to show us uh, an important point here. Is that they're saying, hey, reality number one, giants. Reality number two, those are powerful giants. Reality number three, we have got fortified cities. And so it's all factual. It's all reality here. How often unbelief is rooted in what presents itself as the facts? How often a lack of faith stands behind? Oh, but there are the facts. There were the facts, but they had the sure word of God here. And so I think, uh, have you noticed that the more that you fixate and focus on your problems and the obstacles, the smaller God becomes. Did anybody notice that? The smaller God becomes. It's true. And so uh, the smaller God gets. When the children of Israel there saw Anak, saw the giants there, the supersized giant, God is just getting so small that he doesn't even factor into the equation. They're like, hey, there's nothing we can do. Look at the giants here. What recourse do we have? What chance do we have of winning? Well, uh, if you go back a little bit, like Moses told you, you do win. And God told you, you do win. Like, I've given you the land. And so, see, faith sometimes, it's a matter of focus. Not that we ignore the facts, okay, but we keep our eyes and the affections of our faith on the author and the finisher of our faith here. And so when you focus on the size, watch, when you focus on the size of God, okay, not the size of our problems, but not to, not to ignore them, not to live with your, your heads in the cloud, no, to, to be a person uh, of reality and, and, and walk in the facts, but that your faith is greater than that. And so what can happen is, like the children of Israel, we can become more filled with fear that will intimidate us. That becomes all-consuming. You know what I'm talking about. And so, and think about the age in which we live. People are more fearful now than any time really in history. 
You think about social media. And so, and, and then God can become distant and small, and I find myself aligning myself with the 10 unbelieving spies rather than the two that have faith in God, Joshua and Caleb, verse 30. But Caleb, it's a good but, but Caleb, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses and watch. Okay, he's confident in what God has said. Not confident in himself. Let's go at once and take the land. Say, hey guys, get your swords, strap on your helmets. We're gonna take the land. He says, we can hopefully, maybe, possibly, no, we can certainly conquer it because God told us he's gonna give us the land here. And so Caleb, watch. Caleb trusted God against all odds, against the, against the 10 influential spies there, and he believed God when others would not. The choice is yours, friends. So he had faith to trust God that God would give him what he had promised, the sure promise of God. For us, it's the promises in God's word. So now, did Caleb see the problems? Did he see the obstacles? Yeah, certainly he did. He saw it all. The same walled cities, right? He's with the twelve. He's one of them. And so he sees the obstacles. He sees the giants. So he's not denying reality in any way here. He sees the massive military power of the opposition. He sees, uh, you know, an army of Hulk Hogan's. You know, he sees them there, and he sees it's going to be a tough fight. But he says, hey, we can certainly do this because he's viewing them in the fight through the greatness of God. So, exactly the same situation, but he comes to an exact opposite conclusion. Diametrically opposed to the 10 spies is his conclusion. And so Caleb looked at the situation from what? An earthly point of view or a divine point of view? A divine point of view there, yeah. Not a human point of view. So they get all wrapped up in the, you know, we're like grasshoppers, we're like little bugs compared to them. And, uh, and Caleb was like this. You think we're about grasshoppers to be crushed? I don't think so. He said, look, the giants are the grasshoppers. And we're certainly going to take the land here. And Caleb was not intimidated. Caleb was not influenced by the majority. He went against the crowd. Why? Because the crowd was wrong. The crowd was dead wrong. He didn't remain silent. He took a posture that was unpopular. He didn't blend in. And he could have cowered by uh, the articulation of the 10 spies. They're like super awesome like, like guys. Uh, these are like Heisman Trophy winners. These are like the best of the best here. And he could have been back and kind of nodding in agreement like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like that's right and that's right. And yeah, and they're pretty persuasive guys. Uh, but he's so confident here in his posture, and he hangs on to God's word. Yeah, the enemies are big, but God is bigger. Yeah, the cities are tall, but God is taller. Yeah, anything you want to say, God is more of that. And so, yeah, they're big, but my Yahweh is bigger here. And so the, the rest of the spies, they're going like, no way, ain't happening. So look at verse 31, but, look at friends, here is a decision which is going to seal their fate, a decision which is going to determine their future. 
and not only their future, but the future of their children and their children's children. But the other men, the 10 spies, who'd explored the land with him, disagreed. We can't do it. They don't believe God because they're stronger. Uh, Look how big they are compared to us. Joshua said, look how small they are compared to God. And so regardless of how persuasive their talk, Joshua and Caleb stand. The life lesson is this, is the majority isn't always right. In fact, the majority is often dead wrong. So you don't, you don't, from here on out, living our lives, living in American culture, we recognize the majority, really, honestly, the majority is usually wrong. You want to do the right thing? Look, usually, often, much of them, look at the majority, look at what they do, look at how they think, and go in the opposite direction. Because the culture, American culture, people are, are just going down the tubes, okay? And the whole thing's going down the tube. So you look at that, you can't get caught up in the culture like Joshua and Caleb, not caught up in the culture of the 12 influential, 12, 10 influential spies. And so they said, God can't do this. They treated God as insignificant. And God showed his grace, and they like rejected his grace. God presented them an opportunity, and they blew off the God-ordained, God-planned opportunity. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll do our own thing. Yeah, we liked, you know, we did the prayer, and uh, like, 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 we're in, and uh, we did the water, the baptism, like, we did that, but don't talk to me about my schedule, don't talk to me about my life, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, there's a grace of God, but I, but I want to do my own thing. And that was kind of their posture, like not interested in that level of following Yahweh. So here's God's people. They're looking at the land. Same journey, same exploration, same place, same promise. Widely divergent conclusions based on two that are looking at God. The others are just looking at the walled city and the giants there, which tells us this. It's very important. Tells us this. Look, God's plan seldom goes unchallenged. In your life, if you think it's great and you're never challenged, you may not even be going in the right direction. Because look, God's plan, there was 12 of them all together. 10 are completely opposed. Two are good. So God's plan seldom goes unchallenged. So there's going to be opposition. Their friends, there will always be the voice of opposition when you're stepping out and trusting God and going his way, going his path. So you can chart the right course like Joshua and Caleb. You can be going in the right direction like Joshua and Caleb and face fierce opposition like Joshua and Caleb. So what does that say to us? This is what it says. We have to be sure about, we we got to be sure about what God has said. We have to be sure about hearing God's voice. We have to invest in in knowing God. We have to invest in spending time with him because there are going to be voices going to oppose you. And so you can't meander with the crowd and go God's way. The time comes, you got to draw a line in the sand like them and say, as for me and my house, we're going to go with God. Verse 32. And the, this is the 10 majority. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land okay, that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored, it devours. 
How's that for intimidating? Devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there are of great size. And so again, again, we saw, we saw, verse 33, we saw. You see it over and over again here. Uh, we seem like what? We seem like, we seem like dinky little bugs. We seem like grasshoppers. In fact, we not only think that we're kind of wimpy, but they think we're wimpy too. Like, like we don't stand a chance here. They're so intimidated as they look at themselves, as they look at their own size, they're looking at the size of the giants there. And so Caleb's eyes are looking at, again, the size of God here, fixated on God. So that's the background, and I'm going to conclude with, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry, Numbers 14, and then I'm going to conclude uh, this. So he says this, why is the Lord bringing us to this land? The people are saying, only to get us fall by the sword. Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So now watch, watch. The people are unhappy. They're unhappy with God. They're unhappy with what's happening. What do they do? They do what I do. They do what you do. We complain. We complain against people that are leading. That's what they did. And so here, so excuse me. Excuse me. Let's go. You want to go back to some easy slavery? Is that what you want to go back to? Excuse me. Did you forget Egypt? Did you forget you were beaten? Did you forget that you were slaves? Did you forget the oppression for 400 years? And by the way, your wives and your children, they were plunder. And that's what you want to go back to? And so uh, how quickly we forget the old life. And so now God has this to say about Caleb. Uh, which I introduced the message with, and I'm going to conclude. So, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, how about that? How are we going to survive in the, the years ahead of us? This is it. I want to, I want to conclude with this. Caleb uh, was looked at by God. And God said this, man, my boy Caleb, man, Michael, Gabriel, every, man, look at my, look at, look at Caleb, like Caleb, like He's different. He's of a different spirit. I wish I had more like Caleb and Joshua here because here's what he does. He didn't follow me 10%. He didn't give me 20 or 30 or on his best day, 40. Or, no, he gives me 100%. Like his whole life, he's given me his all. He follows me wholeheartedly. Like he doesn't want any, any gaps between me and him. He doesn't want there to be distance between me and him. He's a gap closer. He closes the gap, and he's always thinking about what is causing distance between me and the Almighty, and I want to close that gap. Remember, we talked about that last week. So I want to ask you, see, Caleb is praised by God, that he follows me wholeheartedly. He does not let any things keep him away from me, but what about you? Here's my, my last question. Here's my last question. What are the things that keep us back from following God? We would, have, we would all have those things. I have those things. You have those things that maybe they don't come to, to expression in our normal conversations, but in your heart of hearts, what are those things? And so let's jump to, to, uh, let's jump to verse 33, uh, Numbers 14, 33. Look at the result. The decisions that define us. Parents, listen to this. Your children... 
Here's what's going to happen to your children. Your children will be shepherds. That was the worst job in that culture. We shepherds for 40 years. 40 years, the worst job. Suffering. Why? Because of you. Your children are going to suffer because of you. These things written for us. Why? Because of your choices. Because of your unfaithfulness. There it is. Now watch. Until the last of your bodies will die in the wilderness. That's pretty serious stuff. All that to say this to parents and grandparents. We don't want our heritage to be one where our children and our grandchildren suffer because of us. That's what's at risk here. And so what we want to do, we want to leave a better legacy, a more important legacy, even than leaving resources for them. What we want to do is we want to leave the best possible gift that we can leave them. And what is that? To look at Caleb and emulate and imitate Caleb, not the 12, not the 10. The best possible gift that we can give generations, our children following us, is to choose to cooperate with the Lord, is to choose to go God's way. Remember Joshua, you don't remember, but Joshua is going to say we're going to conclude with in chapter 24, as for me and my house, my family, we're going to go with God. And so with respect to our children, uh, we don't want them to think the same way that secular culture thinks. We want them to be different. We want them to have a different spirit, like is talked about here. That they should have different aspirations uh, in their hearts than just the culture. And so we have a lot of work to do. Now I'm going to conclude here. The worship team wants to come up. I'm going to conclude with chapter 14. Caleb faithfully followed the Lord uh, with passion and zeal from the time he was 45 to the time he's 85. I want to be like that. I don't know about you, but that's who I want to be. And so Caleb's eyes were not focused on Caleb's age when he was 85. How many people begin to focus on their age as they get older? So many people. They get fixated on their age. They get fixated on their issues. They get fixated on their limitations. Caleb was not like that. Caleb's eyes were not on Caleb. Caleb's eyes were on Yahweh. As I grow older, I don't want my eyes to be on me and my age, my issues, and me, me, me. Caleb's eyes were on the Lord. Caleb said this, I'm as strong now as when I was, was when Moses sent me on that journey. Well, I have my doubts about that, but um, maybe he was like on supplements or something, and who knows. But watch, I can still travel. See, he had a can-do. A can-do attitude at 85. That's how you want to be as you grow older. I can still travel, and I can fight. This is hand-to-hand combat. I can fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. That belongs to us. Those dirtbag Canaanites, 
give me them. The giants, give the walled cities, give me them. He was going to have to scale a mountain. He remained young at heart. So while everybody else wants to retreat, let's rumble, baby. Let's rumble. Give me the hill country. Yeah. At 85, he's ready for a new challenge. For 45 years, he never stopped believing God's promise. I'm going to give you the land. I might, be, I might be 85, but good, I'm good to go. None of this kind of quietly slipping away into insignificance on the back porch, on some nice part of the land of Canaan there, and watching life pass him by. No, give me the hill country. And so he was ready to scale a mountainous region. And who were up there? The sons of Anak, the giants, the walled city, huge people were there awaiting him. And so all Caleb could think about was the battle. And he was going to fight the battle here. He didn't give up. He declared what he desired. He didn't go with the majority. To the very end, he was wholehearted, walking by faith and making a decision that defined him and not only him, but defined his descendants that then got the land. How many people want to be like Caleb here this year? I want to be like Caleb. And so, friends, it's an inspiring story. Inspires the heck out of me. And so uh, we want to live like this in 2023. Let's hit the reset button. Forget living like the 10 spies. Let's live like Joshua and Caleb.